After a whole week off, the SBI show is back. We missed you guys. I am Garrett Cleverly. Long with me, as always, is Ivis Glarseb. What's up, dude? Hey, Garrett. How's it going? It's going well, man. Uh, I'm out in Big D right now, enjoying uh, enjoying the nice, hot, and humid weather. How's New York? Or how's Jersey? Excuse me. Uh, it's good. It's good, man. It's been a crazy, crazy month. Uh, a lot of traveling. Get the whole Seattle, Salt Lake, Cleveland, D.C., Philly. You name it, I've been there the last few weeks, uh, but now it's time to take a break and relax home in Jersey for a few, few weeks before I uh, head over to Portland. What is up with you in Portland? Of course you're going back to Portland. Hey, Gold Cup opener, <sighs> USA versus Belize uh, is right around the corner. Plus, I'm going to take in, a, hopefully, I'll take in a Portland Timbers game and a Portland Thorns game while I'm out there. Something tells me you probably have like a secret family out there now or something like that. <laughs> I've been there one time, man. One time. That's not nearly enough times to uh, to have a have a secret family. Are you sure? I don't know. I can't imagine. I can't imagine you could get one that quickly. Oh, but, well, if any anyway. of our listeners have a secret family, let us know. Uh, yeah, let us know how many weeks it takes to build one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was uh, tons to talk about on the show since we didn't have a show uh, last week. Uh, we're of course going to talk about the USA uh, Honduras game. Uh, but other things to talk about, the U-20s, we're going to talk about that. MLS uh, the past weekend, the U.S. Women's National Team, some uh, Austin News for Abby Wambach coming out of there. We'll talk uh, NWSL. You went to a game this past weekend. Uh, talk Confederations Cup. And as always, everyone's favorite segment now, the SBI Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, before we get into all of that, Ivis, let's talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. Josie Altador has now scored in four consecutive games. The U.S. picked up nine points in three games, have a controlling and dominating lead in the division uh, you know before we you know in, in Seattle people are doing that we're going to Brazil we're going to Brazil you know I thought that was a little premature but now with the victory over Honduras I think the U.S. has booked their ticket to Brazil impressive performance you were at the game break it down for us what was your knee jerk reaction to the U.S.'s 1-0 victory over Honduras well it's not really a knee jerk since it's been a well since it's been a week well I'm pretending week, I'm pretending that that down. that we didn't we didn't down. we missed the show I'm pretending we didn't miss the show Right. We can't pretend. Everybody knows we missed it. Well, but, I'm uh, pretending. I'll tell you what. The U.S., uh, you know, they, they looked really good, and even though it took them a while to get the goal, um, you know, they, they really controlled that game against the tough Honduras team. And I know Honduras was missing some key players. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But they still put out a pretty strong team, and they gave the U.S. some trouble. But, the, you know, in the second half of that game, the U.S. really turned it up, uh, turned it on, and you had guys like – Fabian Johnson, Graham Zussi, Clint Dempsey all step it up in the second half. And then Josie Altador, of course, he steps up. And he uh, he, had, he actually had to score twice to get one goal. The first one was ruled offside, but he came right back down. He put the, he put the ball in the net, and uh, here we go. The U.S. Is, is right on the doorstep. They haven't clinched yet. So before you go booking your tickets to Brazil, they haven't clinched yet, but they're right on the doorstep. It would take a pretty pretty crazy collapse at this point they pretty much have to at this point lose that out uh to really crush their chances i mean they need one win out of four they still have a home game against jamaica in october against kansas city you got to like their chances in that one but if you're the u.s you want to clinch it as soon as possible if you can win in costa rica for the first time in your history in qualifying you do that and if you can't get it done there who better to clinch a world cup place <laughs> against than mexico in uh in in columbus it, they've done it before. Obviously, in 2005, they did it. They, they in once again a September qualifier. They clinched uh, against Mexico, beating them 2-0. And you know, we've got a few months now. We got three months before that that happens. But U.S. fans should should start thinking about those trips because I tell you what, 
San Jose is going to be crazy. And I tell you what, since San Jose, Costa Rica is going to be pretty crazy in September when the U.S. heads down there. Uh, September 6th, uh, that game is going to be pretty much in first place in the group, and it's going to be revenge time if, if you're Costa Rica. Uh, I can tell you the folks down there remember the snow game, seeing their team having to run around in the snow and lose in Colorado back in March. And while this game will not be at Suprisa, uh, you know, the, the house of horrors that, that U.S. fans remember so well, it's still going to be a pretty intimidating atmosphere. It's going to be uh, – they're going to have the full support of their, their crowd at, the, at their new Olympic Stadium. And it's a big place, and while it's not quite as imposing as Saprisa, I'm sure it's still going to be a great place to play. Uh, but you know what? This U.S. team, this U.S. team is playing so well right now mm-hmm. with such confidence. Uh, you know, you almost hate the fact that you have to wait three months. You know, if you're the U.S., you're thinking, we're, we're rolling right now. Let's keep playing. Let's just beat everybody. But, hey, we have to wait three months. Plenty can happen between now and three months. You can have injuries. You can have new players emerge. You can have players come back into the fold, <clears throat> Landon Donovan. Um, so, you know, a lot of stuff's going to happen now in these next three months before we have those two games. Uh, but if you're, you, if you're a U.S. fan, you better start booking your plans now. Because I can tell you what, there, there, if there are two games in that, if there are three games you don't want to miss in the hex, it's both Mexico games and away to Costa Rica. If you can handle it, you know, obviously we don't all have the, you know, the, the funds to, to make every trip we'd like. But if you can, you want to make those trips in September. And if possible, you definitely want to be in Columbus because that could very well be the game that puts the U.S. in the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's going to be, and for Mexico, September is going to be amazing because it's going to be make it or break it for a lot of teams because U.S. is taking Costa Rica. Taking on Costa Rica, they're in second. Mexico taking on Honduras. Both teams vying for that third spot in the group. Uh, it's going to be fun. But let's talk yeah. about the U.S. game. Well, hey, oh, wait, hey, I'm sorry. Talk about it because you mentioned it now. Mexico, Honduras. Obviously, U.S. fans, we're all going to be paying. You know, everyone's going to be paying attention to U.S. Costa Rica, right? But you know what? That Mexico, Honduras game. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about pressure? Oh yeah. Mexico absolutely has to win that game. They've dropped so many points at home. They have no choice. They have to beat Honduras in Azteca. They've had three scoreless draws in Azteca. They cannot afford to drop any more points. If they lose that game or if they tie that game, that really puts a dent. All of a sudden, you're starting to ask yourself, what is going on? Is Mexico going to finish fourth in this group at best? So the pressure is going to be on there. So if you're a U.S. fan, you know, if you're not in Costa Rica and you're watching the U.S., you're gonna, you want to you get two TVs ready because you want to have one TV on the U.S. game and one TV on the Mexico game, because if they lose or tie that game, Azteca is going to go crazy, and their coach, Chepo de la Torre, is going to get fired. You can book it. You can put it. Write it down. He will be out of a job if they lose or, or tie that game. Uh, it's uh, and, and especially with the U.S. The U.S. will play Mexico, like you said, in the next game, too, on, on September 10th. Uh, uh, those games are September. Lots of time before them. Lots of games before them. So let's go back and let's talk about... The U.S. versus Honduras here. Uh, like I said before, Josie Altador, four four goals in four games. I, I think he either tied or, or broke the record um, for that. But then when you look at the U.S.'s performance in, in general, Ivis, what do you take from there? I mean, Fabian Johnson looked outstanding in the attack. Uh, you know, you wonder what's going to happen with now Demarcus Beasley when he comes back. Um, you get another solid performance from Michael Bradley. The defense is, is still taking shape. Um, you know, who, who are your who are your, your winners as far as players from that game, and you know, and, and who had a really for the U.S. You know, what, what did you take away from their performance in this? Not not the best that we've seen in their other games, but still a good performance nonetheless. 
Well, I mean, we're not going to just talk about this one game. It was already a week ago, but if we want to talk about the group of games, the you know all all these three qualifiers, who are the winners? Who are the, who are the people who lost ground? Um, I'd say you know Fabian Johnson was outstanding. He showed us the quality that you know we've been expecting to see. You know the player that that plays so well in the Bundesliga, the player that Jurgen Klinsmann calls one of the best left backs in this in the Bundesliga. You know he's great, and he showed it. He his game against Honduras outstanding. Uh, so he's a big winner. Demarcus Beasley, even though he missed his last game, he's another player who just has added to the momentum that he started in March. I mean, he's really put it together. And while now there's some questions, you know, who's going to really be the left back when, when all hands are on deck? Uh, if anything, what Beasley has done is put himself on this team. He, he Whether he starts or not, he will be on this team. He's shown he can, he, he can be counted on. Mm-hmm. So you have those guys have done well. You know, Brad Evans, he did well for himself. You know, he held his own right back. I still don't think he it's his job by any means. I think once Steve Trondolo's back, Steve Trondolo will be the starter. He is the, you know, for me, he's the unquestioned top right back. Even at his age, he still brings so much quality. And part of the reason, you know, obviously he wasn't around is because it, he was basically it was basically broken down to him that you know if you want to have a chance to be healthy for the World Cup in a year, this is the time to take a break. This is the time to take a summer and really let your body rest up and get ready for this stretch run. Now, the stretch run of Bundesliga games and qualifiers and the World Cup, he will be back very very shortly. And for me, he's still the top guy. But even with that, Brad Evans did well for himself. I thought Graham Zussi did well for himself. You know, obviously he's he's got the the ghost of Lennon Donovan hanging hanging over everything he does. You think uh, so? Since you know, obviously. Well, I, no, come on, US that's fans. unfair. See, that's unfair because I, I think Zussi has shown it's that he what can play. Is happening? It's it's what it's you know what unfair fair or unfair? U.S. fans, a good number of them, uh, want to compare everything he does to Lennon Donovan because Lennon Donovan is not in camp. He's not called in. So it becomes an either or. It's like, well, you know what? If Jurgen doesn't want to call Landon in, whoever is in there better be as good. And that, it is. It is unfair, but that's the reality. But give get, you have to give Graham Zussi credit. He actually played well. He stepped it up, uh, especially second half against Honduras. He really turned it up, created a bunch of chances. Uh, and he has shown he can play on this level. So I, I think from that standpoint, his stock is up. And then obviously, Josie Altador, when you want to talk about June, I mean, nobody had a better June than him. I mean, he stepped it up. He showed that he can score. And, and it's what I've been saying forever. If you give the guy service, he is good enough to finish. He is good enough to be a quality striker. And now that he has guys working the wings, providing service, he has a team that's really moving and passing and, and combining. Now he's flourishing. And, and and you can't take it away right now. He's the top threat. Obviously, Dempsey is Dempsey. Clint Dempsey is, is going to be one of the top guys. He's the captain. He's clutch. He comes through with goals all the time. But now that you have Josie Altidore to, to, to I'll be alongside him as someone who can give you goals, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to love the U.S. Uh, team's chances of not just it, not just qualifying for the World Cup, but running away with this group and, and you know, closing it out with, four, you know, maybe four wins. Do Wow, four wins, you think so? Well, listen, it's going to come down <laughs> to this. If the U.S. <laughs> qualifies early, right, say 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 – Let's say they beat Costa Rica mm-hmm. and then they beat Mexico. Uh, you're probably going to see um, a B team uh, go to Kansas City and a B team go to Panama for the last two games because, you know, you're not going to have Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, and these guys come play in games that they don't have to play in uh, when they have the European seasons to deal with. So it, four wins, okay, that's probably a little – it's a little bit of a stretch. But 
Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they beat Costa Rica in Costa Rica, and that would be the first time that's ever happened. It certainly wouldn't shock anybody if the U.S. beats Mexico in Columbus. They do it every four years, you know what I mean, like clockwork. And this team, the way the U.S. team is playing now and the way the Mexican team is playing now, you got to love the U.S. team's chances. So, you know what, okay, I'll, I'll take it back. Four wins is a little ambitious because, you know, you probably won't have the same full-strength U.S. team. But you have to love the U.S. team's chances in these two big games in September. I agree with you. I was thinking about that. I was actually uh, I was telling that to my brother because he's the only one who cares what I have to say about soccer. Uh, but I was telling him, I mean, I really hope the U.S. can go out and win those games because it gives opportunities for guys in the Gold Cup coming up next month. Um, I mean, I'm sure we're going to see some guys break through and have stellar performances, and, and they're going to have their name thrown into the conversation. So it'll be a great opportunity for them to, to play you know, an even bigger level in the World Cup qualifying games in October against uh, against Jamaica and in uh, Panama. Uh, for for the U.S. though, um, right now I've just, uh, I mean, all these guys are are are, are going to have off the, uh, for the next month. They'll come back and play um, in August. But uh, Jurgen's going to be back to work uh, next month. Um, he's going to have some decisions to make here pretty soon. I mean, do you see any guys from this U.S. team? Any any maybe the MLS guys like Gonzalez or Beasler? Um, I mean, getting playing time with with the U.S. for the Gold Cup next month. Well, I think anyone who who received significant playing time mm-hmm. in these qualifiers, I just don't see them playing in the Gold Cup, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, you, you don't want to take players away from their club teams for that long period, even though, you know, they can technically get because MLS, you know, respects all call ups. But, you know, you've already seen what you want to see from Gonzalez and Beastler. Uh, you know, they, they showed well. They had their growing pains, especially Omar Gonzalez. He had his growing pains. But the Gold Cup, you don't need the Gold Cup. To, 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 you don't need to keep them for the Gold Cup. I think what, he's, what, I, what I think Jurgen Klinsmann is going to do with the Gold Cup is maybe give some older players a chance to, you know, maybe give them one more chance to show that they should be brought back into the fold. Carlos Bocanegra, Aguchi Onyewu, both those guys are on the preliminary roster. And I, can, I could definitely see... Jurgen Klinsmann turning to those veteran guys and saying, "Look, you, you, you. I know you believe you should be still be in the mix. You should still be on this on the U.S. team. Now prove it to me and, and take this Gold Cup team and take us to a championship." And I think the Bocanegra, Onyewu, obviously Landon Donovan is going to be on that team. So I think all those guys, it's going to be a great opportunity for them to step it up and and lead this team because you know it's going to be you know, there's going to be some young players on it, obviously. But, you know, it's so important, a tournament for all those guys and for someone like Stuart Holden, who is really going to get his chance to play uh, major minutes uh, for the U.S. team. So that tournament's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited. The team, I think, is going to be – yeah, it's going to be a strong U.S. I team. I want to see Gat. Uh, I want to see Gat light it up. That's all I want to see. <laughs> hey, the kid's fast. You can't, you can't take it away from him. He's, he's, he's definitely interesting. I, for me, Alejandro Bedoya, he's another one. He's a guy you want to see – uh, you know, he's killing it right now in Sweden. So you want to see how that translates. I think he's someone who's on the fringe, uh, who with a strong gold cup could push his way onto the roster uh, for qualifiers. He's someone that definitely for me stands out. And then you talk about someone like Jack McInerney, who MLS fans have, uh, are obviously uh, loving right now because of the goal, you know, the way he's scoring goals, the fact that he keeps putting himself in positions. And, you know, I just saw him play tonight. I, I just had a chance to talk to him tonight, actually. Uh, down in Philly uh, for the Union Red Bulls game, and uh, he didn't score a goal, but you know he put himself in positions to score over and over. And while it wasn't his best night, you know he he had one chance uh, saved amazingly by uh, a Luis Robles kick save. But this kid can play. This kid will be on the Gold Cup roster. 
Uh, and the way he's going, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up getting to start some games in that in the Gold Cup. Well, the Gold Cup kicks off on July 9th, so, uh, I mean, it's the summer of the U.S. men's national team, Ivis. I mean, I feel like we're going to be talking to the U.S. men's national team in every single show, which is awesome because people love it, and, you know, of course, you and I love talking about that. It kicks off July 9th uh, against Belize, but the first game, uh, it's a friendly against Guatemala. That's in San Diego on July 5th. Uh, Ivis, let's drop down a level. Let's talk uh, the youth side to the uh, to the future of the u.s men's national team the u20s kicked off uh the u20 world cup uh in turkey with a four to one loss to spain and uh before you give your two cents on it you know a lot of people are saying oh, well you know the u.s lost four to one to spain look i understand that and, and what's more important for me in my opinion is the development of players that we can identify that can contribute to the senior team and, and for me i thought the u.s played well. I was impressed with the way they, they, they pressed Spain. Uh, Luis Gould looked outstanding in that game. I mean, obviously, look, the defense needs a lot of work, tons of work. But I was I was impressed with how the U.S. played. Did you kind of feel the same way? I thought they did some things well. I don't know if you can take the 90 minutes of body of work and say overall that they played well. I thought they did some things well. I thought the first half, especially – between giving up that first goal and the fall and the collapse at the last five minutes, there was a good 30 minute, 30, 35 minute stretch there where they were toe to toe with with Spain. You know, they I thought, you know, they, they had even the edge in possession. They, they created a few chances. Uh, they, they forced Spain into, into some uncharacteristically uh, bad passes. So from that standpoint, yes, they, they played well in that stretch. But you have to look at it over the course of 90 minutes and over the course of 90 minutes. There was definitely a lot to look at and say, you know, this needs work. I will agree that, like, I know some people looked at the game and thought, you know what, that was a bad idea to approach the game that way and, and wanting to press Spain and wanting to keep, you know, push it up the pitch and really try to challenge them in that way. Uh, some people thought it was foolish to even think to do that. And I, I disagree. You know, I, I feel, you know what, if you're trying to implement a new style of play, a new system, you want to do it on the youth level, and, and you have to take the good with the bad. You know, you're going to take your lumps. And and at the end of the day, if the U.S. has some slightly better defenders, uh, it's a whole different ballgame. And that was my, my big takeaway from this wasn't that it was a bad strategy. I think where the team went wrong, where I think Tab, Tab Ramos went wrong, and I said it before the tournament, was the center back position and, this, and, the, and the picks that he made. In, in fielding that position, you know, I, I thought he made a big mistake not bringing Walker Zimmerman. I've asked him, I asked him about Walker Zimmerman repeatedly, and he and his and just by basically the tone of everything he said, you know, they didn't rate him. But the fact that they ended up starting, you know, Javon Torre, mm -hmm. who, who only played, who only started five games last year as a freshman at UCLA, the fact that he ends up starting at center back against Spain. When you could have had Walker Zimmerman, who was an All-American, who was the first center back taken in the 2013 draft, a player who was getting minutes now for FC Dallas. I mean, it was just a mistake, flat out. There's no other way to say it. And and it it, it show, and you know what? They I feel they paid the price for that because you, you know it maybe you can maybe there's an argument that Walker Zimmerman doesn't fit the style of play they want to play, but at the end of the day, he's a solid defender. He's a great center back prospect. And I feel like he would have made the team better, and that's where that's where they went wrong. And, it, and of course, it was so fitting that just days after that debacle, and just days after there were more calls for Walker Zimmerman, he goes out and scores oh, yeah. the equalizer for FC Dallas. So it was like you know, sweet justice there for 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 you know for Zimmerman and for the folks who feel like he should have been there. But you know what? That's obviously it's water under the bridge. The the, the roster was chosen. 
the U.S. is on to France now. They play France Monday. If you're listening to this on Friday on Friday morning, uh, it's going to be just before the game. It's uh, Monday morning, 11 p.m. Eastern time, uh, USA, France. The U.S. gets Shane O'Neill back at center back. And we're talking about a kid, a, a young player who has gotten a bunch of games at center back for the Colorado Rapids. So he's a big upgrade. You're going to have a big upgrade from Torre in the first game to Shane O'Neill back in the lineup. So the U.S. should have a better chance. Uh, they're going to make some changes. Tab Ramos has to make some changes to his roster. So now that's the question. Can the U.S. improve on that? Can they clean up the mess, uh, You know, erase the bad mistakes that they made, mm-hmm. and play some quality soccer for 90 minutes? Well, and also the thing for, for people maybe thinking of the France game, because you know, the U.S. lost to France in the uh, Toulon tournament, uh, but the U.S. was still, they didn't have DeAndre Yedlin in that game. They didn't have Luis Gill in that game. They didn't have Jose Villarreal in that game. So we're going to see, one, a much different U.S. side taking on France this time than what we saw, I think, what was it, like a month ago? Well, it was less than a month ago. But the more important, more importantly than that, the France team, that, that the Toulon tournament was not a U-20 tournament. It was a U-21 tournament. So actually, and, that, and you know, just people who don't know the difference might think, oh, what's the, there's no difference there. No. France had some older players than than the U.S. had. So, you know, there was going to be that advantage. And anyone who watched that game, I mean, France just looked like, it was like men against boys. Like the France team, the size they had, the athleticism, it was crazy. But not all of those players are going to be playing on Monday. Um, That said, it's still going to be a tough test. Tab Ramos is going to really be tested as a coach. He's going to have to make some decisions on his lineup. And there are some guys who looked really bad against Spain, and you have to ask yourself, it, it, do you keep? Do you stick with these guys and just write it off to the competition they were facing, or do you make changes? Because you want to talk about the left back position with uh, Osegueda. He did not have a good game, but again, he got burned by Delafeu, who is you know a star, a young star up on the rise for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So do you do you chalk that up to that? Um, also in midfield, I personally didn't think Will Trap had the best game. I thought he did a little better when Mikey Lopez came in and played next to him. But if you're talking about a system where you won't only want to really have one pure defense midfielder, I don't know if he's your guy. Maybe you go with Mikey Lopez and play him in a deeper role. So there's plenty of decisions like that. Alonzo Hernandez, I thought, looked really good in the 45 minutes he played against Spain. He might be hurt. If he's hurt, you might have to go Mario Rodriguez. And then you have Danny Cuevas, who you know looks so good in qualifying. He was the fan favorite for U.S. fans who loved the, the, the way he went at people and the speed, the aggressiveness. And guess what? He doesn't start against uh, against Spain. Comes off the bench, doesn't look good at all. So that's another one. If you're if you're Ty Ramos, you have to ask yourself, do you start him for 90? Or, is there, or maybe that's why he didn't start in the first place, because he isn't looking good on form in camp. So, this, so it, it, I'm really interested to see the lineup. How much he shakes it up because he can't. He clearly he's not going to start the same eleven because Shane O'Neill will start. But if it's just Shane O'Neill for Javon Torre is the only change in that lineup, uh, I I I'd have to seriously question that just because I just didn't think some guys were good enough. Well, like Ivis said, uh, the U.S. is taking on France today. If you're listening to the show, then the U.S. will be taking on Ghana on June twenty uh, seventh. Also, how how nasty was Luis Gill's goal? That was unbelievable. Oh, he was he was the one. Uh, if there was a clear cut bright spot on the team, he was it. He, he's he's the he's really class. He's the class of the, of the team. And obviously, Jose Villarreal, he's quality player. He didn't really have his best game against Spain. So you want to see how he responds. You want to see how a player like Cuevas responds. I mean, these are the guys that coming in you you were expecting to step up. Gill stepped up. Now it's time for these other guys against France to step up.
yeah, it's uh, I, I can't wait. It's gonna be fun. I, I enjoy watching these teams, but the thing is, you know, it's it's in terms of development. I mean, if you go back and you look at the 2007 team and 2009 team, I mean, there's some guys on these teams that don't play in MLS anymore, don't even play professional anymore. So just because you're on the U20 team, you know, it doesn't guarantee you success. I mean, you still have to play for it, and there's still obviously other guys vying to be on the national team. Uh, Ivis, MLS is back in action after a uh, after what seems like like a bizarre month break with with games here and there and and, and open cup games here and there. But the MLS is back in full swing. Uh, Portland Timbers not missing a beat. Defeated the Colorado Rapids uh, three to zero. I should say you are Portland Timbers, Ivis. Uh, <laughs> defeated the Colorado Rapids uh, three to zero, uh, and they're just rolling right now. Um, they uh, they're tied for first in the Western Conference with uh, Real Salt Lake. Your boys. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Uh, but um, for Portland, though, I mean, they just they gave it to uh, to uh, to Colorado and just impress. I mean, dude, it's 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 Portland. I mean, I feel like every single game now, you just expect them to pick up a point, no matter what. I think when they lose, all, everyone's going to be like, "I'm sorry, what?" Well, they, you want to talk about a great stretch for for Portland? They go and beat FC Dallas. They beat them at home. Look good doing it. Then they go to LA mm-hmm. midweek. And and hold them to zero zero in LA, and now they come home and they're facing a Colorado team. Look, Colorado's struggling, right? They've hit the wall. Uh, they they've lost three in a row now, but you still have to give the Timbers credit for the way they completely tore them apart. And this team, I mean, fifteen in a row without a loss. It's one of the longest stretches, one of the longest streaks in league history. I think it's tied for fourth right now. Um, and you have to give you have to give a ton of credit to Caleb Porter. And to to their GM Gavin Wilkinson because they they built this team rebuilt it uh, and, and it seems like almost every signing they made has panned out uh, you know obviously there's obvious ones that you know Valeri Diego Valeri has been great Will Johnson you can argue he's an MVP candidate right now mm-hmm. he if there's if there's a shortlist for MVP as the season ends right now he is on it I mean so he you, you want to talk about that guy uh, Freddie Pequon who uh, or well as they say in Portland he's looked he's outstanding new. lately. Yeah, people, you know, there were some people, maybe not in Portland, but there were people who ripped that signing because obviously when he was in England, he didn't look good. But I tell you what, he's buying into what they're doing there, and he's been a great option, especially these last few games. He's really stood out. So you have him, you have Ryan Wallace playing like an all-star, comes in, three assists against the Rapids. He's killing it right now. Everything's going right uh, for Portland, and, and you got to tip your hat to Caleb Porter. Um, the, the job he's doing there. I know. I know a lot of people wrote him off after the Olympic qualifying uh, debacle and figured, oh, you know, he's been exposed. He's not that good a coach. Listen, folks, that that was a one-off deal, one shot, three games. You got a group of young guys. A lot of them who just didn't get enough playing time as pros. They got exposed a bit. But you know what? Now we've seen. We're seeing over the course of time the kind of coach that Caleb Porter can, is and can be. And he's doing, he's doing, he's outstanding. He's coach. You got to say he's a coach of the year favorite. And yes, he was my pick in the preseason for the award. Uh, but they are killing it right now. And uh, you know, I, I want to see them play all the top teams because you want to see how how they can do and, and if anyone can actually break them down. I mean, the, their their only loss of the season was to Montreal in Portland. The, the you March know, amazing. Uh, Bicycle kick or unicycle kick, whatever you want to call it. Think, um, I, I was thinking about that. that was March 9th. Yeah, it's more than three months. It's crazy. Um, but you know what? They're, they're so, so tough to break down. Uh, when they're on the road, they're unbeaten on the road. And think about that. MLS, you know, it's tough to win 
it's tough to, you know, take points on the road in MLS. They have yet to lose on the road this year. That's outstanding. But it's because they're so tough to break down. And even when you do break, manage to break down that defense in that midfield, Donovan Ricketts has been outstanding. He'll, he, he has made some amazing saves. So everything's going right for them. You want to see if they, how just how long they can keep it going. And it's scary to think that they're getting better. They're actually getting they're getting even better. Uh, and who knows? Who knows who is, who's gonna, who is going to stop this team? Do you think anyone can? Well, I mean, listen, they're not going to finish unbeaten for the rest of the season. Uh, just, you know, over time, you're going to have your slumps. You're going to have your streaks. That's just how MLS is. But they have the foundation that uh, of a team that you have to say is a title contender. They, You know, they, they you need a great goalkeeper. You need a stable defense. You need a strong midfield. They have all these things. And uh, you know what? Hats off to them. It's, it's tough to point to their, their squad now and say – this is a clear weakness. That's a clear weakness. Center back was a question mark. Obviously, they had so many injuries. But, you know, Pa Muduka comes in, has not missed a beat, and he's he stepped right in, and he's looking really good there. So, I mean, his his battle with Landon Donovan in, uh, last week's draw was epic. I mean, it seemed like those two were going at it every single possession. And, and, and Ka just, just, you know, he didn't back down. So you have to like the chances. They're definitely on that short list. Uh, I don't know who's going to beat them. Maybe Real Salt Lake. Hey, that's going to be a great matchup. We got to look at the calendar for that one. But um, you know, they're a tough one. Their midfield's so so tough, especially you know you're talking about Valeri Johnson, Chara. That trio uh, is as good as any in the league right now. Actually, I'm looking at Portland's schedule. This is going to be fun. Uh, August 22nd, Real Salt Lake. August 25th, Seattle, and August 30th, Real Salt Lake. That there it is. That is going to be fun in August. And speaking. Of Real Salt Lake, uh, their quiet season no longer quiet. They defeated the Seattle Sounders two to zero and just dominated uh, the Sounders. I think the Sounders' first shot was in like the seventy third minute or something like that. And uh, I mean, you talk about another coaching of the year candidate. I mean, Christ has done an unbelievable job uh, up in Salt Lake. I mean, you just have guys coming out of nowhere. I mean, almost Garcia, oh, dude, he just gave it to uh, Seattle at the end of the game. Kyle Beckerman's goal, unbelievable in that game. And uh, Real Salt Lake, man, they, they them in Portland are looking like the. And I, I don't want to take anything from FC Dallas, but those two teams look like now the teams to be in the Western Conference. How much, how much, how much are they paying you to say these things? No, I'm just kidding. No, what uh, are you no. kidding me? Look, Real Salt Lake stop it, stop really it. Well. If you watch the RSL game, they dominated the Seattle Sounders. They, yeah, listen, Seattle came out flat. They played. It was not. And stop it, saying it, things like that. People think I work for RSL. I don't work for RSL. <laughs> I don't work for RSL. People think I do. I, I don't. Listen, listen. Let me just say it now, loud and clear for everybody. Garrett does not work for Real Salt Lake. He might help them out on occasion, but he doesn't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally oh, that, kidding. that 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 makes it totally seem worse kidding. now. <laughs> no, no. All right, let, let, let's get back to it. So, Real Salt Lake's playing really well. Uh, they have been for a while. Seattle, you know, they, they've had these this game these games where they just lay an egg, right? And it's been on the road. Uh, L. A. They that L. A. Beat down against the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you definitely remember that one. This one was a little, you know, was a little surprising because you know you, you, you figure they have Eddie Johnson, Brad Evans coming back, Mario Martinez. They have these guys coming back from national team duty, mm-hmm. and you figure you know they're going to be playing on a good high level and be able to really take it to Real Salt Lake. Um, but you know it didn't really work out that way. Salt Lake dominated, and it's early. You know what? It's still early. It's only June, but you have to give you have to give RSL credit. They've really cultivated their bench. 
and had some guys step up now. So they have some some amazing depth for a team that lost so many key players last, uh, this winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Seattle, it just wasn't good enough. You know, it, it, the crazy part is they there's so many options for Siggy Schmidt um, that you know he's really got to try to figure out who his eleven is and who are the guys he's going to go with and try to put together uh, a run with. And uh, I'd say a game like that, you know, he might just have to shake things up and bench some guys and really try to turn things around that way because... uh, Well, no, no, okay. I think Seattle's lost when Alonzo's not in the starting 11. Well, that's that's a tough one, obviously. You know, they they miss him. He means so much to them. But um, there's still so much talent on that team that you can't... His absence alone... Okay, here's a stat. Okay, I got a stat for you right here. Okay, with Alonzo... Seattle gives up a half a goal over 90 minutes. When they don't have them, they give up two goals per 90 minutes. Think about that. That's fine. But what's up with their offense not producing anything? I mean, that's not Alonzo. <laughs> Eddie Johnson laying an egg is not is not because of Alonzo. Well, maybe he misses there. him that's on the field. Eddie... What? Maybe he misses him on no, the field. No. He's depressed. Hey, he, did, he didn't miss. No, I'm sorry. He's, <laughs> he's done it before without him. That's, a, that's an excuse. Siggy Schmidt will tell you that. You know what? Those guys just didn't get it done. And clearly, he's a, you know you can argue he's their best player, so they miss him. But you still got to compete. You still got to be able to to go out there against the rival. Again, I mean, you know they're not near they're not near each other, but just because of the games that they played, you know, last year's playoffs and everything, there's a rivalry there. You got to step your game up. You know, Real Lake's a good team. They've been a good year team. They're a good team every year. You have to come to play. And if you don't go come to play, you're going to get embarrassed. And that's what happened. They didn't play well enough. Siggy Schmidt's got to shake things up, make some changes. There's more than enough talent on that team for him to go to different options and him to you know go to the bench, put some guys on the bench, shake it up. Um, and that's what they're going to have to do because they can't keep having these these really bad games against against top you know Western Conference opponents. I mean, the Galaxy loss that was supposed to wake them up. That loss to the Galaxy it was embarrassing. They were humbled. Uh, you know, I, I actually talked to Shari Joseph uh, mm-hmm. after that. Like, you know, a game. At, yeah, I was I was in Seattle for the Vancouver game. Had a chance to talk to Shari. He actually got a red card in that LA game. And I asked him about that. I said, you know, man, you guys came out flat in that game. And he said he admitted. It. He said, yeah, you know, we just it was it wasn't our day. We didn't just didn't play. And that was supposed to be a wake up call. And based on this Salt Lake loss, you have to wonder what, what's the deal. Are, are they gonna Are they gonna strain things out? Uh, is the is, Siggy have to shake things up? And I think you might see that. I think you're going to see some regular starters maybe sit the bench the next game. Wow! And Seattle is your team that was uh, going to win the title this year. Oh, it's early. You know, it's still <laughs> early, man. It's June. I've been covering this league a little while, and I can tell you, you can't get too worked up because the team's doing well or doing poorly in June. So you know, you can't. You know, we also like put together a nice little run here, a nice month of results. But you, and it's great. You got to give them credit, but you can't really say, "Oh, they're the team to beat." Portland's a little different because they've done it for three months now. They haven't lost in three months. That just doesn't happen. I mean, it's and it's obviously only three only three times has a team done better than that. So you have to give them a little credit. But even that, even Portland, uh, you know, you still have to go through. You're, you're going to have to go through your stretches. FC Dallas is a perfect example. How many times did I say? Listen, FC Dallas is killing it. They're, 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 everything's going well for them, but it's not going to stay. It's not. They're not going to keep it up, and and it's just how MLS is. Um, it's tough to keep those runs going. Colorado, Colorado was just you know 
they how, they were just surprising the heck out of people with mm-hmm. all the injuries and everything that they went through for them to put the record that they, they you know i had people talking about Oscar Pereja as a coaching coach of the year candidate right and guess what a couple weeks now three losses back to reality it's just how it is. It's the reality of MLS. So, you know what? I'm not going to all of a sudden say, hey, Seattle's in trouble. Seattle's in trouble. No. But, you know what? Some of these guys, you know, you might need a shakeup. You might need a shakeup in terms of benching guys and, and giving some other guys a chance because that, that lights a fire on your teams. And when you have a team with as much depth as Seattle has, maybe you need that just to remind these guys that, hey, your job is not guaranteed. Eddie Johnson, I know you killed it with the national team. I know you, you know, I know you, you, you know, the, the Seattle fans love you. But hey, maybe you need to sit the bench for a game, and 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 maybe not even just as a lesson, but maybe just to 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 you know get some rest. Who knows? Something's got to be done though, because it was, that was just inexcusable that performance. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, seriously, for the first shot to come, I think seriously, like in the seventy third minute, it was like a shot from the wing that had no chance at all. Is RSL just? dominated them um talking about exciting games fc dallas's game against sporting kansas city was unbelievable it had literally like i think everything in that game when you talk just red cards late goals penalty kicks it, it just it was unbelievable and for fc dallas to come back and score two goals late i mean courtesy of cj sapon getting a red card in the 68th minute uh, but i mean <clears throat> andrew jacobson scored the 80th minute your boy walker zimmerman Everyone's comments were hilarious after that when he scored the goal. Like, Tabaromis, like, I guess didn't realize that Walker Zimmerman wasn't injured. But uh, for FC Dallas, just an unbelievable comeback for them in that game. And for CJ Sapong, just, dude, you just talk about, I mean, Sporting KC, the, 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 they just, after that red card, they just, they kind of lost it after that red card. And FC Dallas really came back to them. And, and the thing with FC Dallas, too, is that they have 15 goals from set pieces. How do teams not defend them on set pieces now? They, teams should know that they score on set pieces. Just because you know what a team's good at doesn't mean you can stop it. You know what I mean? Like that's how I think, they, though. That's not how it works. If it was that easy, then everyone would stop everyone because they would just <laughs> say, "Okay, this team does well. We're going to stop it." No, that's not how it works. They're good for a reason. They have great, you know, Michelle uh, takes great set pieces, and then you know, players like George Don, John, and Matt Hedges, they're great threats in the air. Andrew Jacobson did, you know, he's, he's a threat. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I need to I need to look at the replay of this whole. CJ Sapong situation a few times because I you know I I, I don't know I got I'm watching it right now I'm looking at it again because uh, where was I oh I was that's right I was at I was at I was I was at a sky blue I was at the sky blue Portland Thorns game so uh, on Saturday so I was watching MLS games on my computer and uh, now I'm finally getting to see this I'm finally getting to see the the thing here yeah you know I'm looking at it I'm sorry that's not a red card my opinion it's not a red card. Should he have touched the ball? Uh, you know, I don't know if he was even paying attention, right? I don't know. But anyway, red card, it happened. But like you said, Kansas City, uh, you got to be able to keep it together. You got a 2-0 you know, lead in the 88th minute to squander a two-goal lead like that. I mean, it's pretty inexcusable. And, mm-hmm. and the, year, the year they're having – well, look, the first goal, that's not really a set piece. That's in a round of play. It's a header from Andrew Jacobson. Gets the rally going, uh, but you got to give Dallas some credit to, to to take advantage of the man the man advantage uh, to get a point at home. Uh, and if you're Kansas City, you got to feel like you you, waste, you threw two points away. Uh, even though the, the for me the red card, eh, is that a red card? I don't think it's a red card, but um, you still got to be able to hold it together. Two goal lead, you know what I mean? You're Kansas City. You're supposed to be tough. 
You're supposed to have this this you know this great defense, Matt Beesler, Aurelian Collin, Jimmy Nielsen. You know you can't give up a two goal lead like that. Um, but credit to Dallas. Yeah, a, uh, and it was a good result for them because I mean they got to keep pace now with RSL Portland Timbers that are just really surging as of late. Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you know, the, the East is also tight up top two. Um, I mean, there's not much breathing room for, for, for a string of losses for all these teams in the playoff hunt. And uh, speaking of teams in the playoff uh, run, Philadelphia Union, it's so funny because before the season we talked about, you know, could this be a team that could mature as the season goes on? And, I mean, they're maturing very, very quickly. They're now second in the East, which, I mean, I'm sure some Philadelphia fans like the Portland Timbers are pinching themselves when they, when they look at the standings. But uh, New York Red Bull killer Connor Casey scored a brace uh, in that game. Latou had his seventh assist. I think he's tied for second in the league. And but for the New York Red Bulls, I mean they were they were missing a lot of guys. I mean they're missing Cahill, Alave, Juninho, uh, Lloyd, Sam had a red card in that game. And the Red Bulls had a makeshift back line that just did not have a good game. I mean Luis Robles had a couple. You said it early in the game. You had that kick save against Jack McInerney. Uh, you were at this game. Uh, I mean, what did you take away from from watching this game, Ivis? I'll tell you what, if you didn't watch the game and you just heard that there was an early red card, 28th minute red card, you might think, okay, that that did it, right? That killed the game. You know, the Red Bulls, you know, were hard done by a, on, a, on a tough, tough red card. I won't say it was a bad red card. I won't say it was a questionable red card. It was a tough red card because basically what happened was Danny Cruz and Lloyd Sam both were going in on a ball. Uh, Danny Cruz came in full speed. Like he always does. Like he always does. He only only has one gear. Love Danny Cruz. He's all out. He's all out. So basically Lloyd Sam, to avoid getting his legs broken, jumps up and clumsily slash awkwardly steps on Danny Cruz. Right? This whole thing happens at full speed, right? Danny Cruz comes in full speed, gets low. Lloyd Sam steps on him. You know, people say stomps on him, but he steps on him. Uh, Cruz gets gets her red card comes out, and it's a tough one. You know, it's a tough one because Lloyd Sam he it was there was no intent there. If anything, he was trying to protect himself by getting out of the way of, the, of this player barreling at him, um, and then he catches him. It, it, I'd say it's a tough call. You understand why the ref did it, and I know a lot of people were freaking out like, how is that questionable? It, it studs up, studs up, stubs up. Listen, all, not all, not all stubs up plays are created equal. If you watch that, re- if you watch it on slow mo replay, and you just watch the part where he is stepping on Danny Cruz, yes, that looks really bad. But if you watched it on in, at regular speed, and you watch the buildup of the play, it gives you a much better understanding about how that play went. And it was a tough call. But enough about the red card. The fact is, Philly was outplaying the Red Bulls before the red card. They were. They were controlling play. They were creating chances. They scored. They scored twice. One was offside, but then they came right back and scored again. The Union were winning that game. The Union were controlling that game even before the red card. And the funny thing about the red card is, the Red Bulls actually played better after the red card because it it for, it forced Terry Henry to drop back. They played a four four one with Henry as a kind of a deep line playmaker. They created chances actually. They actually played a better game, um, but then they couldn't capitalize on that. And in the second half. They really started to wear down. The Union took it to them, took control of the game. Casey scores his second. And you got to give it to this Union team. I mean, both these teams were coming off breaks, right? Mm-hmm. They both had a, you know, a couple of bye weeks and, and, and time away from MLS. One of the teams looked rusty. The other did not. The Red Bulls, I know they were missing Tim Cahill, and they definitely missed him today, uh, Sunday. They were missing Hamison Olave, who they could have definitely used to, to deal with Connor Casey. But there was still no excuse for for – an over 
high performance, I thought. Um, and you got to give the Union credit. The Union, you know, they, they played well. Their defense, second straight shutout in MLS play. Uh, and, you know, I'm not ready to, to say, oh, they're, they're, they're legit. They're a team that's going to go on a run. I mean, it's only it was only a few weeks ago that their defense got torn apart by Montreal. So, um, and and then you know, less than a month ago that that uh, the Galaxy came in there and destroyed them. So, you know, they, like I've been saying from day one, they're a young team. They've got talent. They, they can they can overachieve, but they are going to have their growing pains. And I, and I think that still is the case. But hey, Connor Casey, great great pickup for them. He's fit in well there. And uh, they're, they're, they could go on a little bit of a run right now. Well, the Union came out aggressive in that game. And Casey had that goal in the third minute. And McEnroe, I mean, they, the game could have been more if, if things worked out for the Union. But, hey, the Union got the, still got the 3-0 victory. Well, I'll tell you what, Jack McInerney, I mean, he's been scoring everything that comes his way for weeks now, right? This Sunday, though, uh, you know, it seemed like he just couldn't score. And if he finishes his chances, uh, you know, I talked to him after the game and I, said, and I told him, I said, you know, you could have had two or three, and he's like, "Man, I could have had 10. And he's like, "And it, and he, it was, it, it was kind of true. He, he had that. He had a bunch of great, great looks. Uh, a couple of were, were saved well, definitely. That, that kick save was unbelievable by that Robles. Kick save, Luis Robles, give it to him. Amazing kick save. Of course, he had a really ugly bo- uh, botched spill save later that that cost him a goal. But you know, McInerney, you know, he's he's gonna look at some of those and say, "Man, I, that's two or three goals I could have had right there." Taking the league lead back in goals, but you know what, McInerney, you still gotta love the movement. You gotta love the way he puts himself in positions to create chances for himself. Uh, and he is absolutely. And the question keeps coming around: Is he gonna be on the Gold Cup team? Is he gonna be on the Gold Cup team? For me, I I can't imagine him not being on the Gold Cup team. And I I said it on Twitter on Sunday. I said the question shouldn't be: Is he gonna be on the Gold Cup team now? The question should be: Will he start on the Gold Cup team? And I don't know if he will. I gotta tell you, I don't know if he will. Um, but I do think he'll get on that team, and I think he'll get his chance to play. Or how many goals he'll score with the Gold Cup team? That could be the question. Well, if he's not playing, he's not scoring. So, That's true. You know, he's got to get on the field. <laughs> um, Chicago Fire. Uh, the Mike McGee effect is still is, is still happening. Scores the uh, game winning goal. Granted, it wasn't like super super late. It was it was very early in the game, but you can still count it as the game winning goal. Uh, it's funny because we were talking about this last week as the Chicago Fire. You know, we were kind of saying like, are, are they a team that can really make a push for it? But they keep winning. They keep picking up points. And Mike McGee is having an unbelievable season. And it's funny. I was, I was reading some of the comments. People were saying people are like, oh, this this is could be one of the most lopsided trades in history, and blah blah blah. Uh, but for the Chicago Fire, Ivis, it's just it's great to see them play, and it's great to see Mike McGee um, just continuing the season he has. It's just it's it's it very it's been very enjoyable watching the Chicago Fire over these last five games that they've had. Well, I feel like we've said this for a bunch of shows in a row now. They needed two things. They got them. They needed a goal scorer. They needed a center back. They got them both. And it's interesting. This weekend, uh, the Fire actually announced. Well, Arn Friedrich announced his yeah, that's retirement. Right. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's not a surprise. I mean, I told I, I, I told people that I, I said that weeks ago. Actually, when the Samari trade happened, that that was going to be the next step, and and that was why they were holding off on that. The reason the Samari trade to the fire didn't happen sooner was because the fire were waiting on Arn Friedrich's situation, uh, and, and if he could recover from his injuries, if he could still play. And once they realized he couldn't, once they realized he wasn't going to come back. They pulled the trigger on the Samaria trade, and that's worked out. But Mike McGee, I mean, the guy scored it every single game, even the Open Cup. I yep. mean, 
It's uh, he falls out of bed and he scores. He scores a goal. It's automatic. Um, it's crazy. Uh, and you know, I thought he would do well. I thought he'd come home, fit in well with that team. But I can't imagine anybody thought he he would be scoring at this rate because you know I know that a fair number of people thought maybe he was a product of the galaxy and he was a product of the of the great team that he had there around him. But I tell you what, he has shown it now. There's no denying it. it it's him. He is that good. He can score. You know, just give him chances. He will score. It doesn't matter who he plays for or plays who plays around him. He is that legit. And the fire, you know what, man? They they're slowly but surely climbing up the ranks. And right as it stands right now, they are four points. Uh, let me look. At, I'm looking at the standings right now. They are five points out of the fifth spot uh, with a game in hand, which that's not much at all. That can that could disappear in a heartbeat. So teams need to be on notice. This fire team is gaining confidence by the week, mm-hmm. and they're just going to be tough to beat. Well, since Mike McGee, he he didn't play in that. Uh, the Chicago Fire are on a five-game unbeaten streak. He didn't play in that game against DC United, but since he's been there, uh, they won three. Since he start, he's been playing. They won three out of four games. Also, I, I want to point something out real quickly. Uh, Dominic Adoro, um you know, I, he, he's kind of a question mark player because because you know he. he you feel like he can be better than what he is, but for the second straight week, he uses speed to strip the ball and get a goal right there. So I, I just want to give him props for, you know, for 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 coming out. Also, I want to point something else out. Higuain always goes left when he hits PKs. Attention, all MLS players. He always goes left. So hopefully, yeah, someone can block him. You know what? It's so funny because always goes uh, left. Right. It's so funny because even though you know that he hits it perfectly, and you're always worried about him going the other way, it kind of reminds me of a Mato Guevara. He was the same way. He would go the same way every single time, and he and he would score. And, and and sometimes keepers would cheat that way. He'd still beat them, uh, you know. Even when you know, it's still tough. But I tell you what, another player we got to talk about, Dilly Duca. Dilly Duca scored oh, a goal to lead the comeback, and I, I tweeted it: revenge goal of the week, <laughs> Dilly Duca. Because listen, folks, that was an ugly divorce. For those of you unaware, things got really ugly between Dilly Duca and the crew. They he was persona non grata. They wanted him gone. They wanted him out of there. He wanted out of there. It was a really, really messy situation, and they finally got the deal done. And it, and it's it's part of the reason that you know the fire made the deal they, they they made. You know they I mean not the fire the crew, the crew giving up Dilly Duca and the rights to Robbie Rogers to get Dominic Aduro. I mean the part of the reason they did that. Because he just needed to get rid of of Dilly Duca, I, and then Mike McGee gets the goal as part of that trade too. Talk about like a double strike in the stomach. Yeah, I tell you what, that, look at that. Think about that trade right now. I mean, Dominic, if you're a Crew fan, you know you traded Mike McGee and Dilly Duca for Dominic Aduro. And as, I tell you what, Aduro scored some good goals. He scored some important goals for the Crew, but that trade is ugly. That trade's looking pretty ugly right now. Okay, real quickly because we need to move on to another game. Mike McGee, does he get a call? Get, will he get a call? Take two. Will he get a call up to the Gold Cup roster next month? Should he? No, no. He won't. Well, will he? No, he's not on the preliminary roster. Should he? It's a tough one. You know, I, the thing was, all right, McGee. He's a great, great finisher. He's a natural goal scorer. He's been a natural goal scorer since day one in the league. Um, but when you talk about the international level and being athletic enough to handle all the responsibilities. Of that a midfielder has, it, that that's where you kind of ask yourself: Can he really fit in internationally? Is he going to be able to get up and down, do the defensive work that you need at the position? And that's where you know that's where you, there's questions. You know, is he quick enough? Is he fast enough? 
it, it, it can he give you that both ways. So if he keeps scoring, you know what? If you're Klinsman, you kind of almost have to look at him, but I don't see it happening this summer. I Really? Not even against like Belize? He could handle himself against them. Well, you're not going to put him on the team for a tournament until you can play one game. You know what I mean? Like that's it's just not or Cuba or it's, Cuba. It's not even worth discussing. He wasn't on a preliminary roster. He's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. <sighs> you just you just pissed off a lot of people right there, Ivis. It's just keeping it real, you know. I mean, he if he keeps on scoring, um, you know what? Maybe he does get a look at some point later in the year. And you know what? If the U.S. qualifies early, if the U.S. qualifies early, and they had those two games at the end, uh, the Jamaica game, the Panama game, those are the kind of games that someone like McGee, if he keeps killing it. He could he could get a call up to a game like that. Absolutely. I hope he does. Uh Mike McGee, man. I, I love Mike McGee. He's just a hard worker, does his thing. Ten goals on the season, Ivis. Ten goals. Think about that for Mike McGee. He's crushing it. Yeah, he is. Uh late game on Sunday, LA Galaxy versus Chivas USA. Um Galaxy, that's another team that it, it's it's you don't know what you're gonna get out of them. They could go out and score like four goals, or they'll go out against like a team like Chivas USA and score one goal. Uh, but the youngster Azardis got the goal. He is—he's uh, a fun player to watch, man. He's also very, very good on social media too. If anyone wants to follow him on social media, he's solid. Uh, but for the LA well, Galaxy, uh, well, uh, uh, wait a minute. Well, who's this player? I'm sorry, did I butcher his last name? I probably no, butchered no, his no, last name. No, 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 no. You didn't butcher his name. What's his? Just what's his? Who's the player again? Uh, Giassi. Uh, Giassi's artist. I believe somebody picked him to be the rookie of the year. I don't remember who that one. I thought you who picked Dylan Powers. I didn't pick. Them. Yes, you did. Giassi's you picked Dylan Powers. Yassi's artist. Uh, I'm going to look. Th- okay, fine. Oh, you keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. You look this, the year. look this up. Caleb Porter, coach of the year. I put him in the book. I'm not saying his artist is going to win rookie of the year, but I, I just want to say people are slowly starting to understand what all the hype was about. All last year, he was clear cut the top pro prospect in college soccer. And when he signed with the Galaxy, uh, you know, it, I mean, it was clear that like the guy is good enough to play right away for a team as good as LA, and there's a reason that you know when you talk about the, the McGee Robbie Rogers trade, you know people are going nuts about it. Uh, but you know what, trading McGee was going to open the door for other people, and Jossie's artist is that kind of player that is going to be able to take advantage of having a player like Robbie Rogers come in and give you something on the wing. And it's interesting that on the weekend that and McGee scores yet another goal. And I'm sure Galaxy fans were cringing at having to hear about that. Robbie Rogers came out. Oh, I know. And had, what? He, we scored a goal, too. We got called back. <laughs> well, that, well, no, aside from the goal that got you know correctly ruled offside, um, he played a good game. He played his best game to date. He's starting, he's starting to show the qualities that he brings to the table. He gives you quality on the wing. He helps set up teammates. He, 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 he is a good player. And he's starting to get comfortable now. He's, it was his second start, and he looked really. I thought he looked really good, and I thought he showed what he can bring to the table. And it, I, I, I've said it before; I say it again. You can't just look at it and say Robbie Rogers versus Mike McKee, mm-hmm. who's better. You have to look at what that what the player can do for the team and for other players. What opportunities other players can get because they have that type of player in there. Rob, when you put a Robbie Rogers in there, it gives you a different element. Gives you service on the wing, makes you a little a little more unpredictable, and it and allows a player like Zardis, who is such a great target, uh, a, a great aerial threat. It, it allows you to take better advantage. Oh, it, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay, so you know, if you have a player like Zardis, who's as dynamic as he is, as dangerous a threat in the air as he is, you want to take advantage. He is the future of this team. 
Robbie, you know, Robbie Keane is great. You know, he's the star now. Landon Donovan is great. He's in the last year of his deal. Jossie's artist is the future of this team, right? He's one of the future. Him and Jose Villarreal, Jack McBean, they're the future, but he is absolutely a big part of the future. If you can go get a Robbie Rogers who can make him better and who can play to his strengths, then you got to do that, right? And that's part of the reason they made the Mike McGee trade. As painful as it was, and as much as, much as you know, that people have played up the, you know, McGee wanted to go home thing, and, and I'm not saying he didn't or, want to go home. Or played up the MLS made the trade happen. Oh, well, that's, uh, like, people need to just get a grip already. Um, but, they, you know what? There's a method to the madness. And, I t- and I, I, I'll keep saying it. Bruce Arena is... is He's done well. He's done so well in this league through the years. Made so many amazing moves. People need to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing and that there is a plan. And I think tonight we saw kind of a first real major step towards realizing what the plan is for LA and why they thought they needed to make that trade. And they still have younger players who are coming up and proving to be big points to them. Uh, the reason why I said "oh" when you were talking was that your rookie of the year, Ivis, was not Zardis. Who do you think it was? Well, where are you reading this? I'm reading this on this website right here called SoccerByEvis.net. Which post are you reading? I'm reading the SBI staff picks. Oh, wait. Ivis picks in bold. I'm sorry. I didn't read that part right there. Okay, uh, you're right. You picked it. Thank, yeah, <sighs> Damn thank it. You. Maybe that's why I didn't do that well in school. I never read the directions before the <laughs> test. Look, I'll say this. I picked. Congratulations, Ivis. Picked you were right. You were right. Congratulations. Well, he's not winning it yet. I mean, Del- well, I so far. If, if it's season ended right now. It'd be pretty tough not to pick Dylan Powers. I mean, I thought I think he over as far as a body of work, you've got Powers, you've got Farrell, uh, Andrew Farrell. Uh, you know, Yedlin is someone to be considered, but I think Farrell and Powers, Deshaun Brown, even. Um, but with a whole, with, when you when you talk about with half the season left to go, um, a little even a little bit more than half the season to go, a healthy Jesse's artist, um, kids still make up the ground and can still win it. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at your other picks. Your other picks look good here. Pick Caleb Porter as coach of the year. That's right, baby. Chris Shula is most improved. Uh, do you want to read? Do you want to read? Do you want to read? You know what? He's been. He's got a really. Lot of I don't injuries. think Chris Shula has been that good at all for RSL this year. He's been playing hurt. He's been playing hurt. I don't know. I like Carlos Salcedo has looked much better than Chris Shula, but we don't need to talk more RSL, or do we? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. What's in your contract? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh zing, Duke. Uh, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> Too easy. Too easy. <laughs> that is too easy. I know. Dude, do you know some guy on iTunes called me Garrett the Desert Gnome? I hate that guy. That's pretty funny. I know. It's geez, why does everyone always take that? Not even that short. How do you, I don't know how they can call you a gnome. I'm I am that short. I'm like five eight on a good day. Oh wow. So wait, is John Arnold taller than you? Okay. Whoa, we're you're dropping my friends' names on this show? Love it. Uh no, he's not taller than me. I'm taller than him. What do he say? Do you say he's five eight? That's not true. He's well, like I, I was hanging out with him. I thought he was a little taller. Yeah. First off, when you on, you and I have never met. That that's the thing I find the most amazing about this show is you and I have never met, and this show is just so good. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, I don't think we can ever meet now because the show's been so great. Now maybe that's what it is. If we meet, then everything will just go down. It's gonna kill the chemistry. Yeah, probably. Uh, this chemistry on the show. I didn't know that. Uh <laughs> Ivis, uh, we, 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 we talk women's on this show. No, not too much. We probably should talk more. We talk women's. We talk, we talk women's <laughs> soccer. Excuse me. We talk women's soccer on this show. It's late. <laughs> Ivis, Ivis, it's late. It's like 2 o'clock for me. It's 3 o'clock in the morning for you. The show's late. Um, Ivis, Abby Wambach now is, uh, is the leader for the U.S. women's national team uh, record in goals. She uh, uh, passed Mia Hamm, scoring four goals against uh, South Korea. And 
Abby Wambach, just just an amazing career that she's now capped off uh, for herself for the U.S. Women's National Team. I mean, I think everyone's going to remember the goal against Brazil uh, in Germany in the World Cup, and I mean, just Abby Wambach, 160 goals for her playing with the U.S. team, unbelievable. Congratulations to her, and I mean, she still has a couple years left in her too, and that number is going to increase in. It's going to be even harder for young players like Alex Morgan, who maybe has a chance to break it. It's going to be even tougher for her. Congratulations to Abby Wambach. Oh, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, after the game, I, I was at the game. It was here in New Jersey uh, where she broke the record. I, I asked Alex Morgan about that. I asked her, I said, you know, <laughs> when you think about that number, you know, do you think you can cat? Do you think you can you you think you can get to that number someday? And then she she was quick to say, hey. That's not necessarily going to be the record. She's got a few more years, and, and she's going to score a lot more goals. And that number could end up being like 200, you know? Morgan so, has a good chance, though. If there's a player that has a chance, she has it. I mean, she's, uh, you know. Or maybe Sydney. Maybe Sydney LaRue, too. But th- there's so many factors that go into play, right? I mean, uh, what people don't realize is, you know, Wambach's played with some really amazing players through the years. Uh, some of the best players in the history of America, of, of women's American women's soccer. Um, so you, you want to see if Morgan's going to have that kind of support system. She's an outstanding player. There's no doubt about it. Best player in the world, uh, arguably, right now, and will be for a while. But what's you got to think about what's going to be around her as players start to retire, like Rapino, Carly Lloyd, who are the playmakers coming up that are going to you know be there for her prime years. So you know, Abby Wambach, you got to give her. There's some good right players now. coming up. Well, okay. Anyway, we'll get, we're not going to get into that. Abby Wambach has done it for years. She's done it in big games. And I know some people will look at these friendlies and say, oh, you know, she's racking up goals against Korea and this and that. Hey, Korea's a ranked team, right? They're not, you know, they're not the Tahiti of women's soccer. So <laughs> you got to give, give her a little credit. But the thing that amazes me about that number and about her just longevity putting in goals consistently is, I mean, her style of play. I mean, she's a battering ram, right? I mean, she's physically... Uh, defenders are just going after her, beating her up, and throwing their bodies at her. And for her to just be able to deal with that and and kind of battle through that uh, is impressive. And you know, it's obviously taken its toll. She's she's you know she's had a ton of wear and tear. And and it's it's funny how like the sense that I got in in, in just talking to her after that and and her talking about the record was it was almost like great. This is out of the way. Now it's time to make the plan that gets me healthy and ready for the World Cup in, in 2015. And, and that really is what's going to be the plan. And I think I have a feeling she, you're going to see her play less uh, and, and really try to just make sure she's ready and she has some good miles on her for that World Cup in Canada because that is the piece to the puzzle. That's the piece to the resume that she needs, right? She needs. She wants that World Cup title to be able to hang her hat on. And that means everything to her. That's the sense she got talking to her is that that's what she wants more than anything. And you can't, obviously you can't blame her. The world cup is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hey, two years is a long time and it's going to be interesting to see how they, how the, the U S team, how Tom Sermani kind of rations her playing time and, you know, maybe gives some younger players like Kristen press, Sydney, Sydney LaRue, uh, minutes and let's, let's Abby Wombat kind of, I don't want to say coast through these next couple of years, but maybe, you know, play less so that she's saved for down the road. Kind of like with Chirondolo on the men's team where, you know, you give him, yes, he missed some big games here in the summer, but you have to think about the long term and think about the possibility of the World Cup and wanting to have someone like Steve Chirondolo there at the World Cup. And, and that's going to be what you're going to see with Abby Wambach. But all, all credit to her. 
amazing player, humble, humble player, great personality, and really a great role model for uh, for for all the girls that uh, all the everybody who follows women's soccer. Yeah, the next World Cup for the U.S. Women's National Team, like I said, is in Canada in 2015. I'm excited. I might go up for that. Since you know the U.S., we're not going to get a World Cup for men's till I don't know, like what, 2050 or something like that. Well, we might get one next summer, apparently, according to some people. <laughs> Please, dude, that's the same recycled article for every Olympics slash World Cup. Same thing for Greece. I know. Same thing for South Africa. Um, well, you know the strikers, they went on strike. It's the same recycled article. Uh, Ivis, I know you also went to another women's game this past weekend. You went to the uh, Portland versus Sky Blue game. How was that? Well, it was interesting. My first NWSL game. Uh, it, battle for first place, so I had to check it out. You know, I wanted to see it, uh, see it in person, and, and tell you what, it was it was impressive to see the turnout uh, for the game, um, considering that the U.S. women had just played at Red Bull Arena earlier in the week. Uh, actually, they just played on that Thursday, right? So great, they had a great crowd for that game, and then two days later at Rutgers, not even an hour away from Red Bull Arena, you get you know three thousand or however many of the final total was. Uh, come out to see Alex Morgan in Portland take on you know Christy Rampone and Sky Blue, and it was a great game. There were no goals scored, but it was a lot of action, back and forth, uh, and you can definitely see like that's the you know those teams. You can see why they're the class of the league right now. And uh, Karina LeBlanc, the the Canadian goalkeeper, was the star of the show with some amazing saves, especially late in the game. Um, to kind of you know spoil it a bit, you know, I'm sure people wanted to see a goal before they walked away, but it, it was a great game and. I'm gonna to have to start going down and uh, going down to Rutgers and taking that that hour hour drive down there to check them out a little more often. Then is was not too bad. I mean, they're 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 averaging over four thousand uh, fans per game. Portland obviously brings that number up big time. They're averaging just under three thousand per game. But you know, hopefully the league can grow and hopefully we'll see a, a healthy league without having to go through the financial crisis that we've seen with you know the last two leagues, Ivis. Well, it's clear that you know the, the league really needs to take advantage of the star players that they have now. Uh, obviously, Alex Morgan is the figurehead. She's someone she like. She is such a driving force right now that it, it, it's it's crazy. It definitely is similar to, to, to Mia Hamm, um, and, in, and in some ways, it's you almost feel like it's even even stronger the the star appeal uh, because you know she's so young and, and and people have already seen her at such a young age. Uh, you know, step up and, and play well. And she's also, you know, obviously a little more outgoing personality. She does the media stuff. Uh, Mia Hamm, to her credit, you know, greatest woman player of all time. But from a personality standpoint, during her playing career, wasn't necessarily the most, uh, I don't want to say media savvy, but she she just, you know, she wasn't that kind of outgoing personality that could take full advantage of, of her fame as an, as, as an all-time great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like, you know, Alex Morgan kind of has that potential to do that and they're taking advantage and and you know as as a league and we all know the women's leagues before that that have failed uh and that have struggled uh but they as long as they take advantage of the fact that yes there are some some stars to build around uh in the league you have Megan Rapino who who's playing now in Seattle she just she just recently signed they can take advantage of these of these players to build around the league kid can survive I hope it does. It's it's good for you know women's soccer and the, I mean, for the U.S. to remain on top. We we need this league to survive. Um, I guess let's talk Confederations Cup. It's been awesome. How great has Tahiti been for it? I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. It's fun to see guys appreciate it. You know. You just like watching players who you think you are better than. 
uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> my, my, I was watching the game with my buddy. My buddy's like, man, he's like, I just want to go to Oceania now and just like live in one of those countries and, and then just like get citizenship after five years and just suit up for a national team game. Say, say that I participated in, in a World Cup qualifying game. I'm pretty sure it's a little tougher than that. Maybe. Or, or if, if you had a couple, um, maybe like a couple grand, maybe you could buy your way on the team, do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> uh, but the Confederations Cup is uh, going on right now. Uh, the teams, uh, <clears throat> Brazil, uh, Uruguay, are taking on each other in semifinals. Spain versus Italy in the semifinals. Don't look now, but Fernando Torres just has the lead in five goals. I think uh, everyone just let out a groan right there. That Torres, He's a machine. I know, I love it. I love it when Torres scores because it pisses everyone off. <laughs> um all but the win trophies. yeah, but uh, I think the the biggest thing that you can take from this though is that the the fear that people had that is Brazil gonna be a favorite for the World Cup. I think after this tournament, yes, they are because I think people are are basing their results off of the Olympics. I, I kind of did myself, uh, but Brazil, they're just they're a class above everyone else right now. It looks like. Well, I mean, I think I I, I think it's a little early. I think you have. To, we're all expecting the final, right? Brazil, Spain final. That's pretty much what everyone expects to happen. Especially now, it looks like Italy's gonna could potentially be missing Balotelli and, and Pirlo for the semifinal. And if they don't have those guys, they're, they're, they I, I just don't see them having a chance against Spain. But uh, if Brazil beats Spain in the final, then yes, you can you can anoint them a favorite. Um, I still think they are kind of a work in progress. You know, Scolari's a great manager, and if anyone's gonna figure it out, he's gonna figure it out how to get this Brazil team to be a winner. Um, but, you know, from if anything, you would look at a player like Neymar who so much, you know, so many expectations, right? So much expected of him at, at such a young age. And for him to step into that, that pressure cooker and play the way he's played, score the goals he scored, I mean, you got to tip your hat. You have to give him credit. You have to, you know, I, I know a lot of people – uh, question his quality and question, is he worth the money? Is he more hype? Is he more flashed in substance? Is he going to be Robinho as opposed to Messi? You know, what's the deal with this guy? He's a great player. And I think he, he's really, the, the the way that he is, he has been able to shine in this tournament. I mean, it's, it, 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 if you're not excited to see him step into that Barcelona lineup, something's wrong with you or you're a Real Madrid fan, one or the other. But, uh, I want to see that final. I want to see Brazil, Spain, because Brazil still, I mean, Spain for me is still the class uh, of all teams. And, and they're the team you have to beat if you really want to say you're a favorite. Yeah, Confederations Cup has been awesome. Uh, also, Mexico. I think a lot of U.S. fans are happy that Mexico had a, a flat performance at the Confederations Cup, Ivis. Well, they did salvage a win at the end. Small consolation. <laughs> uh, is it. Is, is, can Mexico take anything from this and build off of it, or are they just? What, well, what can they I tell take you what, if this? they would have gone winless, then you, that would have been pretty ugly. So you know, I don't think losing to Brazil and losing to Italy, you know, I don't, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's anything to sneeze at. But I think the fact that they were able to, to to get a result out of the tournament, you know, I think that's helped salvage a little pride, if nothing else. Um, especially Chepo de la Torre, their, their manager is under such pressure right now, such scrutiny. Um, if he keeps the job, uh, he's pretty much going to have two chances in September to keep his job, and if, if Mexico doesn't win out, I, I think if Mexico does not beat Honduras, I, I said it earlier in the show, if Mexico does not beat Honduras, he's going to get fired. And you could have Hugo Sanchez be the coach again uh, for Mexico against the U.S. 
That would be amazing. Also, go Uruguay, go Italy. I think it would be hilarious to see Brazil and Spain take each other on in the third-place game. Uh, those games are on June 26th, first game. The other game is on June 27th. Ivis, uh, let's now move on to everyone's favorite part of the show. That's the SBI Q&A. You excited? I'm ready to pass out. It's 3.21 in the morning. Okay, I know. Let's get <laughs> – stop it. Stop it. We always record the show this late because this is the only time when you and I are usually free because um, you'd be dancing in the night. Um, first question's coming only from – Only on Saturdays. Yeah, only on Saturdays. Uh, first question's coming from Jared Reback at – WFRW07. Here's the question, Ivis. Gun to your head. Who are the two starting outside backs for the U.S. and our first World Cup match next summer? Assuming we make it the World Cup. Fabian Johnson at left back. Steve Trundolo at right back. Um, next question comes from Alex at Wazoo2424. Lehigh over or under 20 starts for Nottingham Forest next season? I will go over. Lehigh will be a regular starter. 25 starts. Uh, next question is from John Mazzano at LazyJohn135. His question is, favorite Chappelle show skit? Tyrone Biggums on Fear Factor. Really? That, I just saw that one recently. That's oh. what made me think of it. I got to say, for me, it's any Charlie Murphy story and the real world where it's all black people and the one white guy. I thought that was hilarious. Wayne, the Wayne Brady. Is Wayne Brady going to have to uh, choke a bitch? That was <laughs> Wait, no, what was the one where like Chappelle had it where he did like... Like it was like ethnic, like um, uh, the draft. The no, 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 not, not the draft. Where like he asked a bunch of like he asked that like professor of African American studies, and he had like the Korean like deli shop yeah, owner or no, something like that, no, and he asked no. like all the questions like in like the correct phrases. No. You're, you're no. That one I was funny. Remember. That one was hilarious. I hope someone else remembers that skit. That one was hilarious. Um, next question comes from Reed Casterlin at Caster, whatever, Reed Lynn. Uh, here's the question. What's your take on the red cards from this weekend? My opinion, Sapong, yes. Lloyd Sam, no. I just watched the Sapong video, and I still don't think it's an automatic straight red. Mark Geiger, it has been known to be, have a quick finger, quick trigger finger on those reds. I don't I, I don't think it was worth a red card. The Lloyd Sam one, it's a tough one. It's, 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 the, it's such a bang-bang play. I, I get why it was a red card. I think it was harsh, though. I think it was harsh just because I don't think it was it, it was at all intentional. <clears throat> I thought he was trying to, you know, preserve his own legs uh, on the challenge from Danny Cruz. So I, I, I'll say CJ Sepang, no. Lloyd Sam, coin flip. Uh, next question comes from Chris McGuffin at the Chris of Chris. Chris, we also appreciate all your questions that you give us. Uh, the question is, what does Portland's recent performances say about Caleb Porter and his coaching ability? Well, I'll tell you what. It says he is an, he's a great coach. You know, he's co- he that you don't go on a 15 game uh MLS unbeaten streak, a 17 match in all competitions unbeaten streak if you're if you're not a quality manager, especially with the reconstruction project they had in Portland rebuilding that roster. Um I know I, I said it earlier in the show. I know a lot of people wrote him off after the Olympic qualifying debacle and you know, he himself will will tell you that that you know is is clear the big big the one big failure of his career but that by no means should that have ever defined him as a coach you know he 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 had way too much success uh, in in college uh, to just throw that all away and 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 base his quality on a handful of qualifying matches i think now people are seeing it and all you hear all you hear from from portland players and even from his former players on the qualifying team, uh, on the U23 qualifying team, is what an outstanding coach he is. And to be as young as he is and to be as good a coach as he is already 
you just wonder what the ceiling is for a coach like him. And I tell you what, we could be, you know, 20 years from now, you know, 10 to 15 years from now. I mean, he could be in Europe. You know, it's going to be fun to watch his trajectory, his his career trajectory. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, also, I, I got to read this question because of a comment Iva said. Because we, we paused the show before we do the Q&A so we could discuss what Q&A we want. But this guy, David, at Portland Padre goes, can Garrett oh bench press half his weight? Some of the TA have doubts. Okay, one. Yes, I can. I can bench press maybe like 80% of my weight. Ivis over here. Garrett weighs 100 pounds. Ivis over here. I, I weigh more than that. But Ivis over here is like, I could probably curl like 70 pounds. I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe not now. But uh, I'm pretty sure I could bench your whole weight. One four, I'm sure. I weigh, like, I weigh like 150. But that's after I eat like a big burrito from Chipotle. Go <laughs> oh, hey, just let's just plug random places. Hey Chipotle, give us a call. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, we've, we've added Chipotle as a sponsor. I didn't tell you, Ivis. Oh, we could get Kai Kamara on. It'd be great. Oh, oh man, we should. Oh, it could be twenty minutes of talking about Chipotle. Chiching. <laughs> Ivis, that wraps up the show today, man. How long a show is this? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm exhausted. It's late for me out here in, in Big D. All right, I'll tell you what, folks. Number one, we will apologize for the length of this show, but as you know, we didn't do a show last Friday, so we have, we're playing a little bit of catch-up here. Number two, uh, I think we are moving a step closer to doing three shows a week, and I think we will try, hopefully, if Garrett doesn't uh, punk out, hopefully we'll be able to do three shows this week uh, and make them shorter, because I know some people have, have complained I, I'm about I'm not it. punking out. I said I, I, I said I want to do three shows a week. I told you that over the weekend. I know, I know, I know. I want to do three shows a week. I'm, I'm, I missed you last week, Ivis. I was really sad when we didn't do a show because you didn't want to. Well, I was. <laughs> you know what? I was surprised. I didn't. We didn't get. I didn't get more uh, tweets from people asking us what happened to the show. I don't. I don't. Actually, I don't know if anyone even noticed that we didn't do a show. I tell you what, folks. Though that aside, we're gonna do. We're gonna try to start doing three shows a week. We're gonna make them a little shorter. Maybe shoot for forty-five minutes to an hour. Um, but just give it, you know, give us a little more ground to cover. And yes, we are going to start having guests again. I know it's been a run now of I don't know how many shows in a row without a guest, but uh, you know, now that hopefully with all the travel, uh, the World Cup qualifiers and everything in the rearview mirror, we'll, we'll be able to get into a bit more stable rhythm of shows, and uh, we will start having guests coming back. Yeah, hopefully we will. I know it's been it's been Ivis and I have been we've had a crazy summer, you and I, with our travels. When, yeah. when when someone's home, the other one's on vacation. It seems like. Well, vacation. What's that? I'm sorry. Well, work slash vacation, or I don't know. Big vacation. <laughs> it's work, and then and then more and more work. Yeah, we exactly. Just keep, we we just keep grinding, folks. We're trying to bring you as much of the good soccer coverage as we can, whether it's writing or it's on SBI show. And uh, we hope we're uh, doing a good enough job for everybody. And we appreciate all the reviews and uh, all the positive feedback we get from everyone. Ivis and I really do appreciate it when you guys uh, tell us, you know, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, <coughs> me, um, and uh, other things. <laughs> Ivis, uh, you have a you have a good night. Catch up. Uh, get a little sleep before you have to drive your kids to school in the morning. Actually, no, they're on summer break, so it's summer school or summer oh, summer no, camp they, or whatever. They have a half a day tomorrow and they have a half a day Tuesday. For what? Wait, they have school. Yeah, they still have two more half days, and then they're done. Are you serious? Yep, I, I'm serious. But hey, I'll be up early anyway. We got the uh, U, the U, U.S. under twenties. Uh, What's your prediction? France. I say one one. I say one one. I really don't know enough about France, but I do think the U.S. will be better than they were in the first. Game. Oh, by the way, I want to give a props to everyone for for th- for congratulating me on my six to one prediction Nigeria over Tahiti. Everyone was like, "Oh, Garrett got that prediction." I just threw out a random number, but I'll take the claim. I'll take credit <laughs> for it. So thank you, everyone. I know. Yeah, that it, it was impressive. I think people, 
you know, if you didn't just admit that that was pure luck, I think people. Well, I also said the U.S. I said the U.S. was going to be Honduras three to zero. So. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, exactly. What What do I know? Ivis, you have a good night, man. I'll catch up with you later this week, everyone. Thank you for listening. Ivis, talk to you later, buddy. All right, have a good one. See you, man. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to the SBI Show.